Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Saudi Arabia is trying to buy itself into the good graces of gamers. For September 30th, 2022, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? Happy Friday. My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, Cyberpunk 2077 is having a hell of a renaissance. Stadia is getting the axe, and we'll check out the week that was in video game news. Early Thursday morning, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia announced its further financial investment into gaming. Through Saudi Arabia's public investment fund subsidiary Savvy Gaming Group, Saudi Arabia will invest an additional $37.8 billion into gaming and esports. In the press release from the state-sponsored press, Savvy Gaming Group has earmarked more than $13 billion of that for the, quote, acquisition and development of a leading game publisher to become a strategic development partner. Another $18 million is earmarked for minority investments, and in total, Savvy Gaming Group is looking to establish 250 game companies and create 39,000 jobs. Now, this further investment into gaming is part of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's Vision 2030 plan, where Salman has been throwing his blood money around, not just in esports and gaming, but in all sorts of Western businesses, mainly in entertainment like professional wrestling, traditional sports, Hollywood, and many others, all in an attempt to whitewash Saudi Arabia's deplorable human rights record which includes honor killings of women and LGBTQIA people, assassinations of journalists who are critical of the Saudi government, and Saudi Arabia's continued suppression of citizens and its continued support for the war in Yemen. At the end of the day, Salomon's trying to buy his way into the good graces of the West. 
and it's come to my attention recently that the Saudi government has bought ad space on this particular podcast. Look, I don't have control over which particular ads are served to you, but I want to make it perfectly clear that my stance on Saudi Arabia hasn't changed and will not change. I will continue to call out these atrocities committed by the Saudi government and the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. After one of the worst launches in gaming history, CD Projekt Red's Cyberpunk 2077 is finally hitting its renaissance. This is mostly because of Cyberpunk Edge Runners releasing on Netflix earlier this month, and the companion update also named Edge Runners dropping on the same day. Cyberpunk has also broken into the top 10 charts on Steam since its initial release in 2020 and has peaked its concurrent player count at 136,724, up 280% from its average of 20,000 for the last two years. If that wasn't good enough for CD Projekt Red, though, they announced on Wednesday that Cyberpunk 2077 has sold 20 million copies. The announcement reads, quote, Over 20 million cyberpunks have been roaming the streets of Night City, partying with Jackie and getting to know Johnny, driving around with Pan Am and driving with Judy, hanging out with River and listening to Carrie's songs. Thank you, and we hope to see you all in the afterlife. Overall, I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and experience Cyberpunk 2077 myself, but with the glowing reviews two years later and a bunch of quality of life improvements, this might be the right time to experience what Night City has to offer. Back in February, Google was quietly trying to salvage their cloud gaming service Stadia by partnering with Peloton. Though over the last seven months, the Google Stadia team has been relatively quiet. And throughout this year's major gaming conventions and showcases, Google Stadia has barely even been mentioned. While things looked dire for Stadia in February, I wasn't expecting to report on the actual demise of Stadia today. In a blog post, Vice President and General Manager of Stadia, Phil Harrison, announced the closure of Stadia. While most of the blog post is praising the Stadia team and the technology they developed to facilitate cloud gaming, Harrison did address how Google will make Stadia users whole, saying, quote, We're grateful to the dedicated Stadia players that have been with us from the start. We will be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google Store, and all game and add-on content purchases made through the Stadia Store. Players will continue to have access to their game library and play through January 18th, 2023, so they can complete final play sessions. We expect to have the majority of refunds completed by mid-January 2023. So Stadia users have a little over three months from today to finish their games before the service is shut down. And I have to commend Google on having the integrity to refund all purchases. I haven't seen a business, let alone a gaming platform, refund their users like this after a closure. Though it's unclear if Google will also be refunding the monthly subscriptions as well. 
Overall, it's not surprising that Stadia has failed, while cloud gaming is a good idea on paper. With current limitations imposed by ISPs and internet infrastructure, it just doesn't seem like cloud gaming could be widely adopted by the wider public. But with chip costs rising and Moore's Law waning, we could see a resurgence of the technology in another 5 to 10 years. It's Friday, and that means that it's time to check out a podcast review. This one comes to us from Podcast Attic from Shadow Wolf, except it's spelled with an X. X Shadow Wolf. We're going to go with Shadow Wolf. I absolutely love this podcast. Nate delivers game industry news and general gaming info in an easy-to-listen-to delivery. Lots of concise info and just enough personal opinion. If only I could find a five-minute U.S. news podcast that did the same. Thank you so much for the lovely review, Shadow Wolf. And you know what? If you end up finding a podcast like that, let me know, because I'd love to listen to that as well. Be like Shadow Wolf. Leave us a review either on Podcast Attic, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, or Audible. We're watching all three platforms, and we'll read it here on Fridays on the show. All right, with it being Friday, let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Over the weekend, another studio has unionized. However, it wasn't Blizzard Albany yet. Anemone Hug Interactive, a Canadian game developer, became Canada's first game studio to unionize. Anemone Hug employees have unionized under the British Columbia branch of the largest entertainment industry union in Canada, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. IATSE's International Vice President and Director of Canadian Affairs, John Lewis, commented on Anemone Hug's unionization, saying, quote, For years, game workers in Canada have been working without the benefits and protections of a union collective agreement and without the strength of union representation. Today, a clear message has been sent to game workers in every province. Forming a union is not only possible, it has been done. If you asked me last year if the games industry globally would start unionizing in 2022, I would have said no. 
but in the wake of several game studios coming under public fire for fostering a hostile work environment, along with the largest consolidation effort in gaming. It's been a nice surprise to see game workers from journalists to developers unionize this year, not only in the U.S., but globally. Earlier this year, Australian game workers formed Game Workers Australia, which has amassed 360 members out of the total 18,000 game workers in Australia. So while it feels like only a handful of studios are unionizing, it is huge progress from the status quo of the past 50 years that games have been around. On Monday, we got some more information on E3 2023, but it's a bit puzzling. Instead of being open to the public for the full show, E3 is being split into a business trade show and a consumer convention throughout E3's week, starting on Tuesday, June 13th and running through Friday, June 16th. The first two days will be open only to the business side of the gaming industry. The third day will be a hybrid day with business and consumers, and the fourth day will be just for consumers. ReadPop, ESA's partner to put on E3 2023, have set three core objectives for E3 2023. One, make a better business event where it's easier to connect, meet, and conduct interviews. Two, make a better consumer experience where there are things for fans to actually do. And three, partner, support, and be friends with everyone announcing games in and around E3, irrespective of whether they're actually in the convention center. For the first objective, E3 planners are blocking off half of the Los Angeles Convention Center to put on a quieter space for exhibitors and business attendees to network and grab coffee, along with developing a dedicated E3 application and meeting place for business attendees to get detailed breakdowns of the E3 exhibits. For the consumer side of things, it looks like ReadPop is opening access to indie developers and publishers while putting on the normal showcases during those final two days. The showcases will also be streamed online. So overall, E3 2023 seems to want to bring back the early 2010s failed attempt at an insider-only trade show while still trying to cater the bare minimum to consumers. Though these types of exhibitions do work in other industries. The North American International Auto Show just wrapped up down the street from where I live, and they actually have a very similar structure, but an entire week to do that in. I'm actually a little bit more optimistic about this structure than most. Having been on the ground for E3 in years past, I think it would have been really helpful to have a few days to interview exhibitors, and then two other days to set up and do our live show for an audience. But that's just my producer brain kicking in. Yesterday, Bloomberg's Ashley Carmen released a damning report on podcasts and mobile gaming. In the podcasting market, the single most marketable metric every podcast has is download numbers. In the last couple of years, a trend has popped up in mobile gaming where advertisers like Jun Group serve up ads to mobile game users that's caching an entire podcast episode on the user's device. And from what I can gather, these ads aren't playing any portion of the podcast. All it's doing is inflating podcast downloads. 
then these podcasts can turn around and sell ad space based on these artificially inflated download metrics. In August, DeepSea, the ad fraud detection company, published a paper on this new podcasting trend. In DeepSea's paper, they use one game as an example, Cybo's Subway Surfers, where players can earn in-game currency by viewing ads. Over a two-week period in August, Subway Surfers served up ads for podcasts from networks like iHeartRadio, Bloomberg, and The New York Post. Both iHeartRadio and The Post declined to comment on the situation, though Carmen did talk with independent podcaster Scott Savlov. Savlov told Bloomberg that he spent a normal amount of money on in-game ads to drum up initial interest in his show, though he cautions podcasters from doing so, saying, quote, don't rely on in-game ads exclusively because at some point you're going to want as much organic and authentic growth as you can get. And to further his point, I personally wouldn't use this service at all because it's exactly like buying views, likes, and subs on YouTube. Carmen also sat down with the CEO of Jun Group, Corey Weiner, who defends his disgusting business of inflating podcast numbers by saying, quote, there is a very big reason why all the largest brands in the world invest so much money in brand awareness, because without it, you have no chance of breaking through the clutter. Every publisher, every content creator has invested in marketing to promote themselves since the dawn of time, and this is just another way of doing it. But there is a mountain-sized difference between investing in brand awareness and artificially inflating podcast downloads. As someone who's been podcasting since 2006, I find this practice so disgustingly immoral. The fact that podcasting networks like iHeartRadio can top the charts and defraud traditional advertisers for a quick profit is f***ing ghoulish. It's also worse because not only is mobile gaming sending ripples through the gaming industry with its predatory monetization, it's now actively making the podcast industry worse with this bullshit quote-unquote advertising model too. Earlier this week, Ubisoft boss and co-founder Yves Guillemot has yet again come under fire for his tone-deaf ramblings. In an interview with the French publication La Presse, Guillemot discussed the games industry as a whole, saying, quote, To create, you need a little friction because everyone has to succeed in getting their idea across. It's a job that brings a lot of rewards when you succeed, but it's difficult which was interpreted by the wider public to mean that there needs to be friction among employees developing games, seen as an attempt to further justify Ubisoft's current fraternity of toxicity. Gilmont has since offered a lackluster explanation of what he meant about friction, saying, quote, When I spoke of there sometimes being friction, I was thinking of the creative tension that is common and vital in innovative companies like ours, where people have the freedom to challenge ideas and have heated but healthy debates. To prevent this tension from becoming negative or to address it if it does, that's where strong policies, values, and corresponding procedures are essential. Yet, out of all the AAA gaming studios that have come under fire for a hostile work environment for women and people of color, Ubisoft hasn't done anything but try to smooth it over with bullshit PR responses. Guillemont also talks about the employee surveys Ubisoft has been issuing as progress. 
Though just a week ago, the worker advocacy group A Better Ubisoft talked to GamesIndustry.biz about these surveys. And it doesn't seem like these surveys are fixing the issue. One anonymous employee told GamesIndustry.biz that their complaint was only addressed because it was presented as a formal complaint, saying, quote, If I hadn't written that, I'm not sure how it would have gone. But in the meetings, I've been asked if I spoke to the harasser about these issues before sending my formal complaint. So I can imagine, in line with the workplace policy, that would have still been their go-to response, to ask me to manage the situation myself. So, if this is the friction that Yves Gilmont is talking about, forcing it, so if this is the friction that Yves Gilmont is talking about, forcing victims to confront their harassers instead of the workplace protecting them, I find all of his backpedaling bullshit absolutely appalling, and further cements the need for Ubisoft senior management to be held responsible for fostering this hostile work environment. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you're subscribed so you can come back on Monday for even more video game news. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd underscore RNG. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.